live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the left-leaning communist conversation program. My name is Saul Trotsky, and tonight we're going to be talking communism, the elimination of private property, the elimination of social classes, and snitches getting rewards. As always, joining me, my non-binary comrade, Pat Milicic. How are we doing, comrade? (laughs) Well, I'm... I'm doing as good as expected, buddy. Uh-oh, we're losing Pat already. Not. Hopefully hopefully the future looks brighter if Americans start standing themselves here. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, and joining us, man, this guy, I mean, I've been a fan of his for a couple reasons, man. He's a huge professional wrestling fan, but he's also, you know, I, even though we may not necessarily agree, that's the beautiful thing, you know, you could still civilly agree without being violently disagreeable um he hosts check me if i'm wrong here travis you got the american americans evil genius conversation america's evil genius podcast radio show sunday nights 10 central standard time at tfr live is that correct that is correct and i'd like to thank you for allowing me to be on npr here tonight yeah (laughs) just just a little tongue-in-cheek there because uh travis you know, he is an, un, like my co-host, unapologetic conservative, without a doubt. And like I said, we don't always have to agree on everything, but I definitely respect his right to say what he has to say and um, have him on here tonight to talk a little bit of everything because the world's literally losing their freaking mind right now. And I see his podcast or his uh, Facebook post occasionally, and it's entertaining and sometimes insightful. And again, very unapologetic, which I just have mad respect for. Um, Travis Cook, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. And how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, continually amazed every day with what I see. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of mind-blowing. But, uh, you know, as somebody here stuck in Missouri like myself, uh, I don't know if you're on the Illinois side or the Missouri side, but uh, give us your thoughts, buddy. We were talking a little bit before we got started. Today was supposed to be the day where uh, the state opened up, but uh, as we've kind of talked about, these these county executives, these mayors got a little taste of power and uh, don't want to relinquish it. What are your thoughts on opening up today and your thoughts on this whole madness that we're looking at? Well, as far as opening up today, I think it's a little bit long overdue, but I'm glad to see it. Uh, as, as you alluded to here in the St. Louis area and as well as Kansas City, um, some of these uh, folks in charge don't want to give up their newfound power, it seems. And uh, we've got a county executive out here making it sound like he's going to go to who knows when. We've got in Kansas City, we've got all the all these requirements for if you go to a store, or you go to a church or something, uh, you have to leave your name and, and your contact information and they can track you where you're going. And I'm like, wait a second. I, I thought we were in America here, folks. It's just, I mean, and it's just the beginning, you know what I'm saying? This tra- tracing not through voluntary information, but through your phone. And we're yeah. definitely going to get into a lot of that too. But uh, I mean, on its face, man, I mean, we asked all of our guests and I can almost anticipate your answer, but kind of expound if you will, 
I mean, they've literally collapsed the middle class. This is the largest redistribution of wealth we've ever seen. The economy is almost in full on free fall. The, the bankers and corporations just got another three trillion today. The Treasury asked the Federal Reserve for more trillions. They got it. And it just even Dr. Fauci wrote in February, this is a jacked up flu and uh, many apologies, many blessings and thoughts go out to families who have been affected by this. But the threat does not meet. I mean, what we're seeing, I mean, the reaction does not they're like literally destroying people's lives off of something that's not really that bad or as bad as they said. I know it's a long winded question there, but give us your thoughts. No, no, man. I, you, you, you kind of touched on something I've been saying on my show, shameless plug for uh, yeah. three or four weeks now. Uh, it's almost like there were people who really, 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 really wanted this to be the asteroid hitting, heading straight for Earth moment. That this is the impending disaster, and we all just have to drop everything and forget about our freedoms, forget about everything else in life to stop this. And no doubt, those who have lost their lives, every one of those has been a tragedy. No doubt about it. I'm not minimizing that. But when you look at how many people have unfortunately lost their lives versus how many people over 20 million now have become unemployed, how many countless more have had their incomes and their savings and their job prospects and their future compromised. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. And, and you, you can, you can, you can criticize me for being uh, cruel and unusual and whatever else, but it just doesn't justify it. And to see how quickly and brusquely it's happened, yeah. We see, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what really, what really, what really stuck out to me was when uh, J.B. Pritzker over in Illinois, their governor, and I hate to single him out, but he's kind of become one of the faces of this. When he came on TV and just seemingly at the drop of a hat said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna close all the service and restaurants," you know, and, and literally just said that in a day, and, and almost yeah. like. He hadn't even thought it through, and I'm like, wow, every politician in this country, in both parties, fetishizes the middle class. Everybody appeals to the middle class. Everybody says they're going to do everything they can for the middle class. Well, here's a politician that, at the drop of a hat, when the wind just turned a certain way briefly, hmm. he threw the middle class under the bus. I mean, we all have known, and some of us, I'm sure, have been people in those jobs before, and, and to see that happen... And how it so quickly expanded everything else. I knew this was a different deal uh, when I saw that. That that shook me. Well, and again, this is, um, we've talked about, man. This is, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on this, obviously. This is global, man. This is transcending any one state, any one country. This is global, for God's sakes. And it's, you know, it's not just Republicans' business getting closed or Democrats' business being closed or white folks or black folks. I mean, like you just said, people's retirements are being wiped out. People's family businesses are gone. And I just, I, I just can't believe, we've talked about this forever. And you, if you read, you know, your disastrous books, you know, 1984, you know, uh, Brave New World, et cetera, even watch your Demolition Mans or your Judge Dredd, they've, they've kind of fantasized and fictionalized these supposed like dystopian futures where we're all tagged and marked etc but it seems like we are marching no pun intended right into it it really does and not not to get all out of my head and all all bizarro land or anything that's what we do here brother go ahead then again it is a show called the conspiracy farm you're right yeah. uh, so but not not to get over the top here but you know for, for the last several years and, and in america the last several decades there has been somewhat of a pushback 
against what you might call uh, the institutional class. You know, for, for a lot of the 20th century here in America and certainly around the world, the thought was, hey, let's let's get all the, the best experts we can. Let's put them in positions of power and let's lo- let them manage things and they'll manage the world order and they'll they'll manage us in such a way where we'll eliminate poverty. Yeah, right. And then all these great things and people over the last 20 or 30 years, especially here in America, have started to push back about uh, against that. And it's almost as though this whole thing has come up as sort of the revenge of the institutional class. It's almost like this is their way of saying, we'll show them how much they need us, that they can't manage their own lives. They need us to hmm. do that. Now, maybe I'm being over the top and maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm biting off too more than I can chew there, but there, there's a certain part of that that I think it may be a part of all of this. I don't know. Well, there's so many layers to this, bro. And, you know, I know, like I said, you are unapologetically a conservative, a, a Trump fan. I uh, know you voted for him. You know, I, I see a lot of people, and I try to stay, and we've talked about it a lot, man. It's apolitical as possible. I think it's two sides of the same coin. And I think they're all beholden to, like, a lot of other powers and engineers of society that we don't see. As far as Trump, though, and, yeah, if, if this was Obama doing this, what do you think people's reaction would be? Because I'm seeing people... I mean, Trump's the president right now. You know, his, his treasury is pumping out trillions and trillions and giving it to these corporations and these and these companies while they're voting on money to give to the people twelve hundred or you know twelve thousand dollars. He's in charge of basically this redistribution of wealth, this implosion of the global economy. The central bank, the Federal Reserve, now is like almost the central bank of the world, just giving out trillions and trillions. What are your thoughts as far as Trump's complicity in this being the president at the time this happened versus he's a victim of a deep state play or whatever is kind of the narrative? Well, I would tend to think, at least at this point, that it's it's the second of those two options that you gave. Uh, you know, not not that I think Trump or any politician is perfect. I don't. I, I did and do support President Trump, but uh He's made mistakes, as everybody has. But uh, the one thing I can say about him, at least domestically, is that he has at least tried to keep as much of this as he could to the states in terms of handling it, which is how how our Constitution is set up. And when I look back, any other president of any party, you know, this is not a partisan thing here. Uh, I, I remember George W. Bush and the Patriot Act. You know, any other president of any party would have instantly taken this as an opportunity to grab more power uh, for for the federal government. Uh, president Trump has at least tried to stay away from that. Well, I mean, now, his, his DOJ did, has expanded arrest powers. That's not necessary. And that came out right when this popped off. That's not necessarily a shrinking of government power. Well, not necessarily. But then again, did, was President Trump necessarily the one to give that order? Who knows? And I, I think one thing we can say over the last four years is that I, I think it's been exposed to us all uh, at this point how much there's an internal fight within Washington right now between Trump and what you might call the deep state or as I call it the the institutional class hmm. uh, for all of this this sort of thing now let, let's be clear about one thing though President Trump and this is going to sound like it like a criticism on my end or maybe a backhanded compliment I don't know President Trump, while he stood for conservative values, is not necessarily a small government guy, okay? 
President Trump, I think, in his heart of hearts, believes that the federal government can be something that's potentially used for good. Now, a lot of us who support him, including myself, don't necessarily think that way. But we we viewed President Trump, even from his campaign, as someone that could at least be the first step towards towards dealing with some of these things. And I think he has been that. But when it comes to something instantaneously needing to be done, yeah, I, I, President Trump will use the federal government for that. That doesn't always that's not always something that's cohesive with me. I get it. Yeah, I mean he's he's pretty heavy into the executive orders as well. Yeah, he is. And and you know, I, I on one hand I, I understand, hey, look, the the uh, job losses and income losses that people had have, have been mainly due to state governments overstepping their bounds and putting people out of work. So even though I really don't like stimulus packages of any form, I can look at that one and say, well, since it was government that took the money away from me, maybe it ought to be a government that gives me some of it back. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but, but well, there again, it's it's always it's always a double edged sword, and I think we understand that. But, is uh, he potentially? I mean, with with the word now coming out, I got intel today from real good sources. They, they basically they're. Um, Current military, I'm going to say that. Okay, mm-hmm. um, that you know they've they've done uh, a lot of a lot of research and they're dealing with a lot of uh, there's a lot of power grabs by law enforcement or government telling law enforcement what to do, and there's some scary orders coming down um, that that aren't real that aren't real, that aren't real friendly, um, and they're and they're starting to target people a little bit. And I, I also want to point out. And somebody needs to get this soundbite to Trump, uh, because if if Trump is surrounded by deep state um, shitbags, which I think he is, oh yeah, um, then people need to get this. This is a message from a guy. Their family runs a very large trucking company, and I want to read this to you. This is a message he sent me when I asked him, "Tell me what's going on in the distribution sector, the trucking industry right now." He said, "The trucking world." is getting really bad and just continues to get worse. Most of my customers are going broke and most of their trucks are parked, especially the independent contractors because of very low volume of freight and the rates that go with that. My brother said yesterday that John Deere Davenport and Dubuque, uh, Dubuque Works are closing indefinitely, which means no one is buying product. A great example would be a local garbage company like Millennium Waste normally runs just over 20 trucks because they only pick up for commercial companies like bars and restaurants. With no garbage going to the landfills, the landfills do not have a need to purchase heavy equipment from John Deere either. Most of the public will never understand all the supply chains and how important they are to keep going. Our economy has not been working for very, uh, has not been off this long and, and not this bad ever. Um, he said, I don't believe we will ever recover in our lifetime. If the government keeps printing money to pay people unemployment, and our, our grandkids will be paying for it forever. Uh, he said that he's doing well. Uh, um, but he said, uh, and yes, the president ordered the meatpacking plants to stay open, but a lot have not returned. Tyson in Waterloo uses a lot of, of folks from the Bosnian heritage, and their community is very fearful that the virus is a very bad thing. They are all scared to return to work. And he said for Jeffrey and I to keep doing doing what we're doing, and we need Americans to start standing up, man, because... We're witnessing the death of a nation if we don't. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear what the truckers are saying. I, I, I was listening the other day to, of all things, uh, a college football channel on Sirius XM. 
and they take calls on there, you know, and everything. And uh, a truck driver had called in, not not really. I mean, he was calling in to talk about college football, of course. But even yeah. he mentioned in the part of it, like, look, people don't realize how bad it's getting out here. And he didn't go into the details because it's college football. The host isn't going to let him do that. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm hearing those things all around. And I don't think people truly understood that, you know, when you do when you do shut down an economy, something unprecedented to begin with, when you do shut down an economy, all of the ways that things are, interact with each other, you know, if people can't leave their house and they can't buy goods and services, that impacts so many people down the line. And I know it sounds like we're saying that in an academic sense, but it, it's real. Yeah. You know, it, it's very real. And I remember when, when this whole thing first started, and you would hear people say, oh, we just need to have a national shutdown for three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Nobody ever thought, granted, we didn't do that, thank God. We came close. But no one ever thought about what a national shutdown would actually be or how you would do it. Hmm. How would people get food? How would the electricity we're using right now to do this show, how would that how would that come about? You know, a true national shutdown is scary as hell when you think about it. But so many people weren't even thinking that way. Just, oh well, we need to do it. Oh, we were from the beginning. We were we were saying you better better wake up because we called we called the stock collapse. Uh, this spring 2020, we've been talking about Deutsche Bank and Wells Fargo, all these different uh, global bank stocks collapsing for, we've been talking about it for over a year. And, you know, the problem is, is when you realize, you know, this is where I worry and Jeff has thought this way for, well, since the beginning, and he may be correct. Um, I don't want him to be correct on this. <laughs> but here's here's the thing is, look, the Chinese printed massive amounts of money. They came in and bought up tons of corporations. They've been doing it for years. They buy, buy corp corporations in the ener energy sector. Entire oil fields in, in West Texas. Uh, they're buying up the oil sands in Canada. They own Smithfield, Smithfield uh, processing and own 2,000 farms on top of as well as work with many thousand other farms. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. They own massive hotel chains in our country. They own a, a, it, it's a crime. It's absolutely a crime that an enemy owns of America, the grass in this nation. And so what I've been urging politicians to do is start sponsoring bills. And it, look, if a politician votes against a bill that stops our enemy from purchasing America, um, it'll be known, right? It'll be known. But that's the thing that I've been urging them to do is sponsor a bill that bans the Chinese from buying or any foreign entity corporations and in that bill, make them divest themselves from American and Americans get to buy that back. I, I caught what you were saying. You broke you broke up a little bit, but yeah, no, I'm with you. Right. But I mean, again, with these global trade agreements, the interdependency economic of of all of these countries. I mean, I, I read ah, this was a few years ago how a Spanish company owns some of the toll roads in Texas, or so just you know the money and the, and the ownership is a little bit of everywhere now. But um, yeah, man, I, it's something that just kind of and it, for me, honestly, I don't really care if trump's a white hat or not but i know that conversation happens because the result of this like i said it's hitting everybody every single body but i just think it's worth noting man when you start people start talking about you know the trump has nationalized the fed or he's trying to kill the fed etc you know people just need to look up the company that he put in charge of facilitating that which is a company called blackrock and that's just straight 
swamp, you know, from from World Bank to Rothschild's investment to, you know, vice chairman of the, the vice chair of the goal of uh, Black right right now used to be his name is Stanley Fisher, former vice chair of the Federal Reserve, as well as the former chief economist at the World Bank. I mean, these aren't just rookie bankers that, in my opinion, when you look back at your Wilbur Rosses, your Rothschild investment groups, the individuals who bailed Trump out to the tune of billions back in the day because they found him more viable. We could use him. He's not. We don't want him economically dead because he could do shit for us. And here we are seeing those promises fulfilled 20, 30 years later. And these are the same companies, man, I'm telling you. They're going to be leading the way in this digital currency, this blockchain currency, the elimination of cash. And what we talk about, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much you're familiar with it, Travis, the Agenda 21, the sustainable development, this new deal, the same stuff Bernie Sanders was talking about. Trump is fucking spearheading it right now. Well, I, I don't know a whole lot about... Uh about agenda 21 i've heard i've heard the term a few times i need to do some research on it i haven't really seen a lot of it but i think i think kind of what you're getting at here and what i've noticed too when we're talking about chinese buying up all these different farms and different companies and all these different trade agreements and and so forth and all these different companies that are involved now that, that we're seeing all of this stuff has happened over decades over a long period of time and I wonder if part of what we're seeing is, is the fact that at this point, at what one might consider a late stage, when you're when you're in in all of this and trying to work your way through it, the only people around that you can work with or that kind of know how to navigate the landscape are these companies and these people in these countries who have been building all of this up for several decades. You know, it, it's easy to say, I want to drain the swamp. Yeah. We all want to do that. But then when you actually have to figure out how to get things done in high finance or in Washington or wherever, who's there other than the swamp? Well, and, and then that's what we have to get back to a certain degree. But yeah, it, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, and, and that's where it becomes interesting to strike that balance of sovereignty, constitutional rights, human rights. When they're doing things like, you know, trying to get rid of cash, potentially surveilling you to no end, uh, you know, suspending the writ of habeas corpus with these new DOJ expansive powers. But like you said, this has been planned for a very long time. And I think, you know, we've talked about on the show, China is the beta test. And if you hear, you know, these freaking assholes like Bill Gates, who was never elected to anything, but apparently is now determining global health policy, saying we won't get back. You won't be able to go to UFC fights, boxing, football, baseball, unless you have whatever you want to call it, a mark, the mark, a band, something that says, and that's that's social credit, dude. That's what China's doing. If you fucking jaywalk, you can't ride a plane or go on a bus. I mean, this is just the slow incremental move into it. And that's why I almost say, that's why I kind of get frustrated with people who are like, I mean, if, if Obama was doing this, people would be losing their shit. But because, in my opinion, Trump has rocked people to sleep with that same cult of personality just to the right. We're literally seeing it implode on his watch. But it's almost it's everyone's like, no, 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 no. they're fucking with him, dude. He's not doing anything. He's just trying to do his best. And, dude, he is neck deep in it being utilized and used, in my opinion, by these larger financial powers that have had this set up for a very long time. The Rockefellers have almost divested all of their wealth from like oil and all of this moving into this new sustainable development, the green, you know, uh, internet of things type technology, the technocracy that they're building around us. Yeah. And let me, let me just mention Jeff, you know, since you got to that point in the conversation, 
some of the goals, you know, of the Green New Deal and Agenda 21, Agenda 30 now, they basically mirror each, each other. Um, you know, eliminate greenhouse gases by 20. No greenhouse gases. That means no cars, no planes, no nothing, except for the uber wealthy, of course, and the elites. Uh, switch to 100% renewable energy um, and, and national energy systems. So uh, you're not burning any more gas, buddy. Uh, build a smart grid. You know what the smart grid is? 5G, yeah. Skynet, and tracking every one of our asses. And that's the social point system. Uh, upgrade all buildings, decarbonize all manufacturing and farming industries. No more farting cows. What's happening mm-hmm. right now? All the all the cows are being euthanized. All the all the uh, pigs are being slaughtered uh, because none of the meat processing plants are open. Uh, de- decarbonize and upgrade um, national infrastructure, especially transportation, and then uh, transition to carbon neutral economy. And then on top of that. Make sure you uh, pay attention to this one. Move citizens from rural areas to urban settings, cities, and take over food production, basically killing all the family farms nationwide. And what do you think this this whole COVID nineteen tool is being used for right now? Yeah, there's a lot of things I think this tool is being used for. To be honest about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, for sure, uh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I have to stop I go back to something almost innocuous that I, I heard on CNN of all places several weeks ago. Uh, it was on Super Tuesday, and for some reason, I was watching CNN. I should know better, but I was. <laughs> they were doing the Super Tuesday results. And uh, while I was watching it, this is right when, when COVID-19 started to be talked about, and we knew, okay, something's coming down the pike. Yeah, We weren't exactly sure what. But their panel on there that had, you know, a- Andrew Yang on it and, and all their usual talking heads and so forth, they start talking about how COVID-19 can be such a great opportunity uh, for people to realize the value of a functioning government again. And they were almost giddy about saying it, you know, and, and that's what really, really struck me is, OK, this is this is well, seen as an opportunity. Well, you Even, heard I've, maybe it wasn't CNN, but Bill Maher had correct me if I'm wrong, because you mentioned this not long ago. Hey, they're like, let we need to collapse the economy. I mean, they hate dudes so bad oh, yeah. that they mentioned, oh, yeah, yeah let, we need to collapse the economy and blame it on him. That'll be a way to get him back. Like, that's some of the thinking on that side. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And here. But, but, you know, that's the thing is, you know, um, Andrew Yang or Wang, whatever the his name was see i don't even remember it it was he was such a flash in the pan but the one thing i do remember him saying is universal income and what do we get what are we getting right now brother universal income Uh, that's what i'm saying you'll get this travis fucking trump is making making bernie sanders look like barry goldwater brother i mean (laughs) and it's and it's like you said in the beginning it's uh, and we've said it's almost overnight this happened in almost two months, and there's another three trillion coming to those people. People wonder why the stock market's going up so much. They're getting free money, and they're investing in the same market that they just helped bottom out. While we, you and I, family businesses, have been around for a hundred years, retirement, like you said, Travis, gone. And so that's what I'm saying, dude. This is long, long game. This is about calling, calling, and I really do mean calling the middle class, uh, a certain proportion of the American populace and global populace. So they can bring in this new system, which, again, merges man and machine, basically. AI, Skynet. I mean, it's going to get ugly. And, and then we're going to, you know, our, hopefully our children, our children are going to be like, man, remember that? 
remember that thing our parents used to talk about back in the day the how do you pronounce it, it was the constitution something like that it was like the <laughs> bill of rights or something it was something weird i don't know what the hell it is but i'm serious i mean it's they've been shitting on it for a long time and we've let shit slide for a long time but yeah, i yeah. I, I unfortunately feel this could possibly be be regardless of whose side brought it in almost the nail in the coffin well, and that's why I brought up that that CNN discussion I saw several weeks back because you know everybody's framing this as oh they're they're using this to go out to to get Trump beaten in, in November. Well, it's they're they're after more than that, a lot more than that. Yeah, there has been, and now I'm I'm at an age where I started getting involved in politics in the early '90s, and have been you know person who follows it to this day. Over that 30 year period, there has been a lot of what critics would refer to as anti-government sentiment out there. Hmm. I would consider myself to be a purveyor of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what you might call conservatism or what you might call uh, limited government folks or whatever. One of the, one of the things that uh, a lot of leftists around the world and in this country complain about all the time is anti-government sentiment. And I seriously think that this is something that is at the very least, being used as an opportunity to try and scare people away from the anti-government sentiment and, and, and convince them how much they need experts and government <laughs> folks to run their lives for them. And then once you get that, and it's always going to be a harder, a harder nut to crack in America than it might be in other places, but once you get that, then you can start to do a whole lot of the things you're talking about. Well, and it's interesting, the social conditioning aspect of it, you know, I don't think it's an accident. I mean, if you, you, you know, we're, we're of similar age, but you remember the Freeman, uh, I think it was Bo Gritz, around the same time of the, the Ruby Ridge stuff and the Waco stuff. Yeah. And it's no accident that that's now, you know, Waco, the Waco series is on, on Netflix. And they, they talk about the, the Ruby Ridge, the Unabombers on Netflix, you know, these this anti-government sentiment. And this almost goes back mm-hmm. to their weaponizing of the term conspiracy theorist. Back when you know the government and you know, other forces had to do with the Kennedy assassination, they tried to weaponize that term and make it a pejorative thing, and then enter your, you know, modern day like Alex Jones to make us all look like assholes if we even kind of question the, you know, the official narrative. So yeah, man, these certain terms have been and weaponized, so the masses are like, yeah. they, you know, these shortcuts and, to thinking they don't. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. And, and, you, and you know the crazy thing, and and I, I've never really viewed myself as a conspiracy theorist, even though, again, I'm on a show called The Conspiracy Farm, so you know what am I doing here? But I, I've never really viewed myself as that guy per se. But I'll say this. In the last year or two, the conspiracy theorists sure do seem to have, have a much better track record of accuracy lately yeah. than the mainstream media does. Yeah. Well, but you can you can go back and check our our archives, though. And if you can prove us wrong on anything we said over the past five years, brother, I urge you to come back on and grill us. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's honestly not even our archives. If you just look at history, I've, you know, again, challenge me on this. In the lat from 1900 to 2000 or 2001 ish, and I don't want to get into the 9 11, but you show me a war that was legitimately what the fuck they said it was. From the Spanish American War to World War One, two, you know, babies in incubators. You know, et cetera. There's always been some shady shit behind it. 9-11, Libya, you know, Benghazi, all of it, man. There's always been some shady shit. I mean, you tell the modern person today, they're they're more, I guess, understanding because the news is out there about how the Western West and Western forces, Saudi Arabia, our allies supposedly, help facilitate terror through funding it and arming it. 
you know, you tell the lay person that the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen. That was the the big thing back kind of when I was a kid, you know, coming out of we don't want another quagmire, et cetera. But that was all based off a freaking lie. And the government had no problem killing 58,000 plus of our, you know, our boys and, you know, whoever all was over there and millions of Japanese right. based off a lie. And it just keeps going. And then now, obviously, let me get your thoughts. You know, we've talked about it a lot here. The One Belt, One Road has been just a, a behemoth that is growing. And if you are familiar with Zbigniew Brzezinski, the beginning of his book is like, we cannot, as the West, we cannot allow any kind of force to grow in Eurasia. And that was written in, I think, the mid-90s. And there's been different forces kind of growing. But China's next level right now with this One Belt, One Road. Oh. From the road route, from the maritime route, to the rail route. I'm like, this is, this is growing. And like Pat and we were talking about it, not only are they taking over that particular area, they're, you know, they're buying up shit over here as well. So thoughts on that, man, of that coming war. And will it be as we talk about, not so much a conventional war of troops, but more of an asymmetrical biological agent, propaganda, covert action. Well, it's already a cold war, even though nobody wants to say it. Uh, at the very least, it's a cold war right now. But I've, I've said all along, even, even going back to the early 2000s, that the wars of the future will not be like the wars that we were taught about in history books growing up. Right. It's no longer going to be one nation state's military versus another nation state's military. That'll happen some. Yeah. But we're going to have wars of cultures. We're going to have wars that aren't necessarily shooting wars all the time. Yeah, they don't want to destroy the infrastructure because they own half of it. Exactly. Well, and look at, and I'm sorry, Travis, not to interrupt, but Pat, you said that. Just this takeover here, they just began a global takeover of millions and millions of people out of work. And they didn't fire a shot. Not mm-hmm. one bullet. Not one they basically bullet. did what Khrushchev said they were going to do. They actually, China actually succeeded at it, at least to some extent. We'll, remember the old, the old speech, we'll, we'll, we'll bury you without firing a shot. Yeah. I believe Khrushchev said that one time. Well, Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. This might be the only thing that solves it and saves this country and it the same time destroys most of it is an actual military conflict with China. And that is a scary thought, right? Oh, very much. But because, because either way they're going to, they're going to own, they're, they're buying up stuff right now. They're buying up tons of stuff. And you know, what pisses me off is Americans won't wake up to is something as simple as, and look, man, um, the innocence of most American citizens. That's that's what's troubling me the most because they don't they're they're kind hearted people, they're good people, yeah. they're they're gentle people, and they don't think like the enemy. Okay. Yeah. I think like the I, I think the, the pathways in my brain got opened up over a, a period of time from as a child of experiencing, you know, the the, the farming collapse and standing in line at the, the farmers national bank in Albia, Iowa with my grandma. Um, during the bank, uh, the farm bank rush um, and the farming collapse when I was like five years old. And, and also, as a professional fighter, I had to analyze the enemy. And then I had to analyze the enemy deep enough to expose my own weaknesses and game plan for him how he would beat me, right? What's mm-hmm. the best way to beat Pat Milicic? And it opened up pathways, I think, in my brain to where I can instantly think like a criminal. What 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 would the other side, the enemy side, do next? And that's something that I've finally come to the conclusion of is why all this shit has opened up in my brain. But my wife came to me and, and again, kind hearted human being, um, 
just just a good human being. And they're showing a massive transport plane flying in to Canada from China. And it's bringing N95 masks and medical equipment. What a great way to deliver more COVID-19 to the continent, mm. the, the North exactly. continent. And then the asshole, Gavin Newsom in California, had the same plane deliver the same stuff in California, bro. And and I'm sitting there going, the, you know, our politicians, we have so many uh, people registered as as uh, foreign agents, uh, John Boehner and a bunch of other poli- yeah. former politicians who are, are lobbyists for these Chinese corporations in Washington, D.C., dude. And it's, dude, it's so toxic. It's so disgustingly corrupt that uh, literally if, if uh, we want to change anything, we have to go in and clean everyone out I mean, everyone. What was and, it? Diane Feinstein, dude. 20 years had a spy as her driver. You don't even hear about it anymore. Exactly, She's still in the fucking exactly. Senate. Like, nothing happened to her. That's and nobody, I mean, you know. So, so what's your thoughts on? I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Jeff. But no, no, I'm sorry. Mainly, mainly, do, I mean, does this get fixed by going to war? That's the scariest part of it, right? It's the, it's the scariest part, but I think, I think you've touched on something, and, and I, I'm not. I'm not meaning to come on here and sound like a warmonger or anything like that, but you you mentioned how scary it would be to go to war with China, and no doubt it would be horrifically scary. We know the manpower, we know the technology, all of that. But another part of my mind, trying to, in my own way, think like the enemy, is that I believe China knows that everybody in the world is scared shitless to go to war with them. So therefore, they know they can play tag with everyone. Hmm. You know, well, what do you do? What do you do if you're China? What do you do with 25 million men who will never get married and have children? Because obviously they've gotten rid of the the, the female babies so much over exactly. there. Um, you know, what do you do with 25 million extra men? Well, you go to war. Yeah, I mean the short the short answer to that question is what do you do with 25 million extra men? Pretty much whatever you want to. Right. Pretty much whatever Sacrifice you want to. Them. Sacrifice them. Mm. Yeah. That's what I wonder. I mean. I, Will it be that freaking World War One, World War Two war machine, like the grinder, the fucking meat grinder that that was? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the I don't know if the populace has the stomach for that anymore. Again, with the economic interdependence and like you were saying, like you know, <laughs> I just when you said that, Jeff. Sorry, what? go back to what you, keep that thought. But when you said that, I just thought of millions of Americans sitting on the couch eating donuts who are obese who. Are going to pick up a rifle and collapse halfway down the driveway. Yeah, yeah. There's there's many non-war ready people, but I mean, like I said, the... but I played Call of Duty one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I scored the top in headshots, but no, it's almost like that back in the day, the MADD, the mutually assured destruction, or whatever. When I'm, I was thinking of the Mudgers against drunk driving, the MAD, the uh, mutually assured destruction. Like that's just not going to happen. We're never going to incinerate the planet because then, like, everybody loses. And it's always nice to have that in your back pocket of, like, dude, I will blow your whole fucking country up. And, like, oh, well, I will blow yours up as well. But any nowadays, everything is so economically interdependent. That's why, like you were saying, Travis, we're not going to see those conventional, not as much, those kind of conventional kind of wars. So I'm anxious to see, again, how this, you know, it's going to happen through trade, trade wars and even, you know, um, uh, siege, siege warfare, sanctions, 
that's way more effective, it seems like, than overt war. And I think they're doing siege on us right now, certain level of sanctions. So when they do roll through, it's a much softer target. But they found that clearly to be a way, way effective tag- tactic, whether it's Iran, Venezuela, um, you know, just starving them out. So when you roll in, it's it's easier. But um, I just I don't know, man. I don't see how that war. I don't want to see it, but I can't imagine how that war in China would play out. But I think, like you said, Travis, we're already at war. Like a Cold War is already happening. Yeah. Oh, it's an act of war. Yeah. Go ahead, Travis. No, I was just going to say, no doubt a Cold War is happening, but we're, we're kind of in this weird era of history in which America can be at a Cold War with, with someone and be scared shitless to actually admit it. You know, yeah. we, we as a culture have gotten to a point where, oh, here's where I'm going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> we, we've gotten to a point where, we so many of us are willing to pretend to believe a comfortable lie hmm. rather than actually acknowledge truth that we see before our eyes. Yes. Right. And as long as you tell me everything is okay, <clears throat> even if I see it's not, as long as you tell me it's okay, I can get through another day. Well, and I think that's yeah. And I think that kind of thinking, again, not to go back to people who, in my opinion, have been kind of bamboozled by Trump and maybe Q. Okay, I don't have to do anything because Trump's got it. He's playing 60 chess and and Q, and they're really, really doing stuff we're not seeing right now, which I think uh, toxically pacifies people who could be actually doing things. Because, again, none of this works. I posted something today. Just as businesses can't flourish unless we participate in the business, their plans can't flourish as long as we participate in them. So if we keep willfully going for it, thinking there's some savior coming, whomever it is or whatever it is, I don't think real action will be taken and nothing will really change because it has to happen with us. Each individual has to kind of wake up to the larger picture and almost put their confirmation biases aside because we're all getting played they're talking about whatever you want to call it vaccinating and chipping everyone which has the nanobiometric and all of that and all the how that ties to 5g and the smart grid so it's like we got to wake up dude who's ever in the white house this shit is still going on people just gotta not take part in this and that's what i was saying everybody's been saying it from the beginning right jeff and Travis, um, if nobody would have taken part in this shutdown and just kept their businesses open, mm-hmm. the government would have had no power to do anything to all of us, right? Exactly. And, I mean, I, that, that's that been the thing that's been most stunning to me about all of this is, as I've heard people argue and debate and, and all of this through this last seven or eight weeks, the number of people who are literally trying to shame folks for quote-unquote being selfish, which actually means trying to make sure they have a paycheck and food on the table. The number of people that have said, why don't you just, why don't you just obey what you're told? And I'm, uh, keep, 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 keep going, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this when you're done. Yeah, that's a very dangerous mindset. And, and Pat, you're absolutely right about the participation element. But I'm going to tell you something I'm going to do this weekend, just for my own satisfaction. Probably won't make a difference, but I'm going to do it anyway. You may have heard that um, Eureka, Missouri, down in the uh, kind of southwest part of, of St. Louis County. They've basically said they're going to defy Sam Page, our, our county executive. Yeah. And they're going to open up some restaurants out there because to heck with it, they got they got to get some revenue. And, you know, I don't know a great deal about uh, Eureka, Missouri. I, I don't hang out there very often. I don't know the restaurants. 
But I tell you what I'm doing this weekend. I'm a long way from Eureka, but my butt's going to drive down mm-hmm. there and have a meal. Good well, man. Good that's man. where Good that's man. where we've so, actually been cruising around out in the country out there, and that's where Six Flags is at too. Pat, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I was gonna I was gonna add this to this, and this is taking into consideration. Yes, the elderly and the immune compromised, you know, people with pre existing conditions. Absolutely, we have to protect those people, and that that's common sense. Stay home. Everybody who is, you know, healthy, strong. Um, between you know the ages even that they've suggested, and I don't like listening to the CDC or the World Health Organization, but it makes sense, that part of it. Uh, but I said on Twitter and, and Instagram and everywhere else, I said, the premise that your life is somehow more important than the life of our nation proves you're a bunch of self-absorbed, pretentious assholes. Wake from your slumber, Americans. Hmm. We are at war. That, yeah, that, that's put very well. Yeah, it's and it's and it and then the news is there too. You can go look this up. Isn't it just strange, guys, that this year unprecedented low deaths from pneumonia and heart attack and all this other shit, and everybody's dying from fucking corona? What are your thoughts on that, Travis? That that, that they literally are not only are they hyping this up to a large degree. We're again peace and blessings to anybody affected by it, but they're it making cured all other ailments. Well, yeah. so, so seemingly. Hallelujah! <laughs> shit, I can't die from a heart attack. I'm gonna. I'm gonna well, and this dude, this mom, and this is probably a little bit everywhere. This mom's son got in a car accident and got fucked up. But they said on the death certificate he died from COVID. So, what are your thoughts on hyping the numbers via the death certificates like that and the financial incentivization, if that's a word, incentive? from the CDC to pay these people for putting people on ventilators and making sure their death certificates say COVID. And the nurses in the New York hospitals deliberately killing people. We've seen videos of nurses in tears who have volunteered to go to New York from as far away as Nevada and then film themselves saying they are killing them. They're literally uh, putting the pressure up too much on the intubation, um, on, on the respirators, all this other stuff, blowing their blowing their lungs up, all kinds of other shit. And these women are bawling when they're talking on video. And then they get, uh, then they get deplatformed. They get, they get removed from YouTube, removed from Twitter, removed from everywhere about the truth. Well, what is it that, what is it that uh, Mark Twain said one time? There's three types of lies in the world. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. Hmm. And I think most of us who are old enough to have seen a thing or two realize how easy that statistics can be manipulated and how commonly they are manipulated in every avenue of life. And so I I think it's pretty clear that we're seeing it happen here. And Pat, you're right. You're getting deplatformed by pointing it out or by, you know, doctors coming out and saying, Hey, wait, some of this stuff that's being talked about doesn't really make that much sense. I'm going to raise a question about this. Nope. You're going to be deplatformed. We can't talk to you. You, you, you 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 are giving information that conflicts hmm. with, the, with the WHO, so you're off of YouTube now. Right, yeah. right, and I don't I don't know what I don't know what service we provide um, to the New World Order, but we haven't been deplatformed <laughs> yet. I have no idea why, because we've been telling the truth the entire time, but for some reason they have not deplatformed <clears throat> us. Maybe maybe they think I'm just crazy enough, a Croatian blooded psychopathic American that will come to their house and do something horrible to them. I don't know, but um, I certainly am the last person that would scare a George Soros who has a protection detail of former Navy SEALs, most likely. 
I, I just had this great this great thought in the back of my head of sending in Militich. Just, just send in Militich. Well, and look, I'll be honest with you. Look, I'll be honest with you. Um, I am not a millionaire. I am a middle-class guy, um, soon to become um, um, probably lower class uh, by what they're doing. But to be honest with you, if I won the lottery for – you know, one of the big ones, seven hundred million or seven hundred and fifty million. You know, you see some of these winners. I'd say, you know, with what I know and what I know is coming, mm-hmm. I would spend at least a hundred to two hundred million of that to hire tier one operators and intelligence community officials to build a team of fucking assassins to go out and get rid of the scariest human beings on the planet that are doing this to Americans. And look, by saying this, I look, we, I had a target on my back a long time ago, and so did Jeff. But look, if we want to rid ourselves of this situation, we have either peaceful noncompliance or you whack them. And, and talking to my, my guys, my buddies that are former Navy SEALs, all this sort of stuff, and I just had a conversation with a former Navy SEAL last night that runs a training facility uh, here in the United States. And Who these guys all the agree. Show. That it's that it's all yeah we're bringing him on the show and he's a bad ass bro this guy his his Instagram uh, page is this boy is sick they're all they're all just amazing individuals but you know all these guys um, agree that it's either okay you either give them what they want and you lay down or you kill them there are no in betweens on this situation and that's why this thing could escalate into a civil war and Sonny Puzikas former Russian Spetsnaz, who's been on this show a couple of times, an incredible individual himself who's been through a lot, uh, witnessed the the destruction, break, break, breakup of the old Soviet Union. Um, you know, these guys are these guys are all saying the same thing that that, uh, bro, um, this is getting real serious. We it's time to take action. It's time to time to stand up. And Americans, uh, I don't know if they're ready for it, bro. Well, and it's, I, you're talking about Blackwater militant style. But again, sorry, Travis. I, but I mean, people have to. Uh again see the real see behind what they're doing with what they're piggybacking on this COVID to recognize the larger threat to understand why what you just explained is necessary they're ruining people's fucking lives you know what i mean i mean this goes beyond i mean the life the right to life liberty pursuit of freaking happiness it's not done but they're just shitting all over it yeah i mean i guarantee you pat that a lot of people just average folks in America don't even conceptualize of, of that sort of thing. And and while what you suggested that you would do with your, your lottery money in the event that you win it, uh, well, well, that would probably sound very outlandish and crazy and Tom Clancy novel to 99% of the people who would hear you say it. The truth of the matter is that's what's already happening around the world. And if you really think about it, going back in human history, that sort of thing a lot of times at more rudimentary levels is always what has happened around the world through human existence. Sure. It's only, it's only been the relatively recent period of, of humanity in which we have endeavored to solve things by ways other than violence. And we haven't necessarily done that all that often, but we've at least paid lip service to it. But ultimately you're right. And I hate to say it, and people are going to think I'm a kook for it, but when all the chips are on the table in humanity, it always ultimately comes down to to violence or the credible threat of it. 
Well, and that's the thing. You know, you think of the Bundy Ranch situation where all those Americans came out and they all had rifles. You know, they 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 stood their ground and and the federal government backed off. And then when they had their opportunity, went in and 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 killed one of the one of their was it a relative uh, Jeff that that they killed? Uh, when I think they it was shot? Am- Ammon's father. Yeah, um, Clive. Father, I believe yeah. I could be. A, I could be. A cor- no, incorrect. not Clive. It was. It was. A, it was. I think it was a relative or a friend. Okay. That, yeah. Boy, Fincham, was that who it was? I but the point it, is, is the point is, is that that you know Americans being armed. Um, yes, we have to be armed. We have no choice. We cannot give up our guns if they if they make orders um, and and create orders and acts and laws that suddenly we can't carry our guns. No, that don't follow that, and law enforcement should absolutely not enforce that at yeah. all. And I've trained law enforcement for 25 years, man. I've got law enforcement friends all across this country, and they they better they really need to wake up and not follow, you know. And I know they're worried. <clears throat> Look, they're worried about feeding their families. Yeah. If you don't do what we tell you, you're not going to get a check. You're going to get fired. All this yes. stuff. You know what, man? Um, this is about sacrificing for our kids right now. This is not exactly. about us. Yep. Quit being selfish. Yep. Quit sacrifice or quit, um, you know, quit being afraid because you, you're afraid what's going to happen to you. Because frankly, if you won't die for your children and their future and their freedom, you aren't, you're not, a, you're not even a human being. You don't have a soul. Yep. Okay. And that's, that's what needs to be really gotten across to the American people that you must be willing to lay down your life for your children and your family right now and change the path that this country is on. Yeah. And and I know that there are individuals out there who, you know, have their issues with guns for whatever reason. I'm, I'm very much a second amendment guy. I'm, you know, I'm that stereotype. Okay. But, but even though I don't have any law enforcement background, I don't have any military background. I'm as much of a layman as you can get. I understand that once we give up that right, it's done. If you don't have, if you don't have your own personal safety and your own ability to whatever limited degree to protect it, really you have nothing. And we've gone through a period now in the last probably 15 to 20 years, it kind of dovetails in the time that you've been training people as well. We've gone through a period in, in America where really we've had more attention and, and more more common focus on the second amendment than we've had in a long, long time. Yeah. Almost. I think every state here, every state now has some sort of, some sort of, of caveat or some sort of allowance for a concealed carry permit, even though the second amendment means you shouldn't really have one, but nevertheless, you can now legally carry in all states to some degree. All of that happened within the last 20 years. And so even though it's not nearly what it should be, more and more people are opening their eyes to it. And you look at th- this last, when, when, when COVID first came out and we had the big run on gun stores, I'm sure you guys have probably talked about that or you're aware of it uh, in, in some way. There was a big run on, on guns and ammunition that, that first week or two that all this stuff happened. And I've heard more than one gun shop owner say, and I saw it with my own eyes at a gun show, the people that were coming out and buying were not the typical gun folks. They yeah. weren't the regular customers. Yeah. No, no, they they were wearing hemp shirts and friggin' yeah. Uh, yeah. and and board shorts, bro. Yeah, I I was at a gun show in St. Charles, Missouri, right before everything, like the weekend before everything started getting shut down, 
And uh, I was looking for a 1911 I wanted, but, <laughs> but I, I noticed at all the tables, it was young folks, it was people there with their kids, um, people that you wouldn't picture as pro-gun folks, and they weren't buying you know the fancy stuff like I like necessarily. They were buying whatever they could find that was under 300 bucks. They were buying the, the high points and the old Smith & Wesson SVW, SVDs or whatever they were, the... The, the Smith and Wesson bodyguards with their horrendous trigger, they were buying whatever they could get self-protection yeah. and that they could get ammo for that day. Yeah. I, I think my boy, Sam Tripoli, man, shout out to him. I don't know this, if this is a part of it, but the internet has got away from them, man. The information is out there and you have to deal with disinformation and misinformation. But I think people have developed more and more discernment when they start to see even things like this, like, all right, man, the numbers just aren't adding up. This doesn't make sense. Why, why did our family just lose our business? Because you guys do terrible models. That's what it is. And you're going to keep extending these stay-at-homes. And, you know, if I, I want to participate in society, like we were saying before, I got to have proof that I'm, you know, vaccinated. Or I, I don't know, man. This is it's, – it's changed the game. And I think it's changed the game forever. And before we let you slide, I have to ask, man, you know, long-term, you know, you're clearly, you know, very intelligent human being. And you've you, – you know, your research, you've seen history kind of play out. And you've seen these cycles. What do you see for the next – six months, year, two years, economy, socially, politically. I, w- I wish I could tell you. Yeah. You know, I, I, the biggest comparison I can make to this, and it's not a very good comparison, but the biggest comparison I can make is the Franklin Roosevelt administration and the New Deal. When people were so panicked that they allowed infringements of their, of, of their freedoms that they'd never allowed before, and that in a lot of ways we've never gotten back. And that seemed to be kind of that first moment where people were okay on some level with a government being able to track them by a social security number, hmm. with giving up all kinds of, of rights for their businesses and so forth to government to set prices and things like that. And for several decades after that, it became just the way we accepted government would work. I mean, you know, when, when, when Dwight Eisenhower got into the White House in 1952, he wasn't the anti-FDR. He didn't go and gut everything that FDR and Truman did. No, he, he watered it. He helped it. There's, you look a, lot at of, there's, a, there's a lot of white in Dwight. <laughs> if, if, if you look at Lyndon Johnson with all, all the big, big things he did, and people look at Richard Nixon like he was the opposite, but that wasn't really true because there's an old phrase, Lyndon Johnson created a great society, but Richard Nixon funded it. <laughs> yeah, he started it like was, the EPA and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Right. It was my point is it was a several decade shift yes. towards institutionalization, if you want to call it that. That is, that is. And, and that's yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and, and we've just in the last ten to twenty years started to question some of that. Yeah. So hey. now this comes along, and at least some people, Uh-oh. and that that's probably the red phone over there, um, and, and at least some people <laughs> are, are Hit the button, to... bro. Hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> if I hit the button, we're all going up. Um, Turn your key, sir. Yeah. At least some people now are starting to say, well, maybe, maybe we need to give some of this power back. Maybe we need to listen to the experts again. I don't know how it's going to play out because I'm not sure yet – how pervasive all of this is. If, if people are going, 
if people are going to look at this and say, okay, we had our fun, but we really need experts to guide us now, and how many people it's going to be, or on the other side of the coin, how many people are waking up that may not have ever thought about this stuff before. Maybe maybe they bought their first gun six weeks ago. Maybe they're doing like you and I, and they're saying, look, I was on board with this stay-at-home stuff six weeks ago, yeah. but I'm looking at these numbers and they don't make sense. Am I being taken advantage of? It could go either way. And I honestly don't know which way it's going to go right now. Yeah, again, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the only way any of this could go down is our participation in it. You know, I'm not a soothsayer either, either, but I know the next several years, decades out, I mean, the game has changed forever. It's like again, so we're gonna look back. We're gonna look back at the at the Constitution retrospectively and nostalgically, and be like, man, remember that thing. But the only way that could happen is if you know we let it happen. Again, we've let things slide for a very long time, and something I implore people to do. And I think I posted on my Facebook page, even though I scrubbed my Facebook page recently. I just have my conspiracy farm on Twitter because I just can't fuck with the Facebook anymore. Go check out on YouTube Yuri, Yuri Bezmanov. He's a uh, former KGB guy, former Soviet cat that just basically talks about how they slowly creep these kind of draconian measures in, uh, this kind of authoritarian stuff. I mean, it, it, this was in, the I think, the 80s, and we're just seeing it play out right in front of us because, again, they're playing chess, man, while we're playing checkers, yeah. so... We really need to wake up. Travis, um, give us a shout-out, man, on where we could find your show, bro. I mean, I know you said uh, you got a radio show you do once a week. Yeah, it's on uh, TFRlive.com. It's called Truth Frequency Radio. My show is America's Evil Genius, uh, 10 p.m. Central Time, Sunday nights. And it's interesting over there because a lot of other – there's all kinds of shows on that on that side, on that channel. A lot of the other shows on there are more black helicopter conspiracy stuff than I am. I am kind of that weird link between conspiracy land and mainstream, <laughs> which people who know me are, are shocked to hear me say that. But that just tells you what else is on that channel. So, <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a great little grab bag of stuff. But yeah, I'm on there every, every Sunday night at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, you, you can also follow me on Facebook and so forth. And, you know, I, I think it's important to keep your social media and your Facebook and your things like that going. Reason being... It's the one way to keep our type of message out there. You yeah, know, like I said, we still have I still have the conspiracy farm page that I pretty much uh, do the, the posting for, and I still have my uh, I'm Jeffrey Wilson on Twitter and my J Michael Will on Instagram. It was just I don't know, man. Just these last few weeks, it's just been nutty. And uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll probably get back to it. I'm not one of those. I'm leaving yeah. Facebook for I just had to dip out and just kind of scrub it for a bit. Yeah, but, but the, the the reason I say that is because 40 and 50 years ago. You wouldn't have had any sort of place to put your message out there. So you weren't true. getting on television. You weren't getting your letters printed in the letters to the editor of the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, we've been deplatformed. We've had all kinds of, of roadblocks put in our face on on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Well, I'm kicked off of Twitter anyway. <laughs> you know, and all of these. Yeah. But nevertheless, it is still the best way for us to get our message out there without a gatekeeper. Uh, preventing it from coming out. And they, there's still some of that, of course, but you know, it, it's right now, it's the only way we've got. And, and we need to keep our voices out there. And I always say that you never, you never change anyone's mind in an internet argument, and that's right. It's so but true. what you can do is you can be that voice that's being read by someone else who's not participating in the argument, and they're trying to make up their mind. That's why I do this. Yeah, and that's so yeah. true, man. We get, again, messages from a little bit of everywhere from like, you know, I'm deep into it like you and me and Pat are, and, and then to people like, wow, I just came across this. I had no idea X, Y, Z is happening. So, I mean, that's 
a, that's a really big payoff for me because again i think the only way that we continue to participate because our mind's not right once we change our mind and realize the fix is in in this aspect then our behavior will follow like what junior in a platoon said free your mind and your ass will follow i posted that on twitter the other day but yeah man i thank you so much travis and as this plays out dude it ain't going nowhere and uh i would we would love to get you back on kind of compare notes and see what what's going down a few months from now and uh how good or bad it has gotten yeah would 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 love to and uh, of course i know you'll be you'll be watching uh, once we get wrestling back up and going again you'll be seeing coming out seeing some of my great exploits here you you were the night you were there the night that i beat flash flanagan oh come on let's not do it let's not do it travis let's not do it do it do it do it do it if you did know ladies and gentlemen travis is the el jefe of the travis cook organization a quote-unquote elite group of professional wrestlers who play by the rules at all times and i'll let him go ahead and expound on whatever he was gonna say epitome of sportsmanship the epitome of Christian athletes, we are awesome. We are successful, and uh, yes, I ran Flash Flanagan out of town, and I don't know when we'll be back in in uh, action again. But when we are, I've already got some plans for things we're going to do, and you know, who knows? You know, we, we might even make a star out of Pat Militich. I mean, I I could even do that. Well, you did have the nerve, and well, I if you can I, make a star. If you sorry, go ahead, John. No, I was going to say when we I told Pat that we we're going to have you on, he, you know, I was like reminded him that uh, that night when you played by the rules and defeated Flash Flanagan and your crew did what they did, you said, go show Pat Militich that. So, yeah, I'll be anxious to bring Pat Militich in the scene and how uh, see if you keep that same energy, Chomo. Hey, he, he, he could benefit from our leadership, that's for sure. We'll Look, see. Let's put it this way. You can benefit from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has... So uh, for years, I don't even know if I heard it somewhere in wrestling, you know, because I watched wrestling when I was younger and, and uh, got into it and stuff. And But for me, you know, I was into Billy, uh, superstar Billy Graham, the crusher, the bruiser, nice. you know, Baron Von Rosti, all the, you know, the old stuff. I was I was into that, that, uh, that yeah. stuff. But, you know, did anybody do a flying atomic elbow? Uh they Brandy just use that word. Rope, the word what? atomic. That just kind of a flying elbow, of course. But they always oh, yeah. do atomic into everything. Atomic knee drop. Atomic backdrop. Like so. Yeah. So I, I then I therefore am officially the inventor of the flying atomic elbow. All right. Okay. Well, you might have to holler at uh, the the estate of Dusty Rhodes, Virgil Runnels, because he had the bionic elbow. So I don't know if they've covered. Uh, well, but atomic takes out bionic pretty pretty goddamn. Uh oh, uh oh, Dusty's turning his. And grip. you know, with my with my, you know, I don't know if the Croatians have actually acquired a nuclear weapon yet, but I, I've got one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but in all seriousness, Travis Cook is uh, very deep in the professional wrestling business. He works for um, a promoter extraordinaire here in uh, the St. Louis area, Herb Simmons, with Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling. Recently, um, their dearly departed friend, uh, uh, Mr. Costa, as well as uh, uh, Larry Matisic, who was the announcer for um, Wrestling at the Chase, which goes back many of years. All the people you just listed, Pat were at some point in time at Wrestling at the Chase here in St. Louis. So the lineage goes right. so far back, and it's so deep. The NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, was once headquartered here in St. Louis, and Travis is uh, just you know emblematic of the incredible uh, talent that you know St. Louis wrestling always produces. Well, and, and, and Pat talked about uh, kind of being an old-school fan, and that, that's what I always was too. You know, I grew up in the 80s and, and watched kind of the Southern style of wrestling, which is kind of its own flavor, you know, the Mid-South and yeah. Memphis and Dallas and all that. 
And and I you know I try to watch modern wrestling today, and I just can't keep the channel on for more than ten minutes. It no. just doesn't it just doesn't jive with me. But uh, what we always try to do over in SICW is we we kind of try to bring some of that old school flavor back. I always look at it this way that. We'll give you old school action without telling you it's old school. <laughs> and that works because a lot of these younger fans have never seen that old school style. And if you told them that's what it was, they kind of, uh, but when they just see it play out before them, they get into it. And there's all kinds of things that used to be staples of this business 30 and 40 years ago that folks who are in their teens and twenties have never seen before. Right, right. And if you do it, oh man, they 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 buy right into it. It's great. Well, and Absolutely. success leaves clues, man. Success leaves clues. If it ain't broke, don't break it. And, and you do, and that's that's what's so beautiful about your understanding of the old school professional wrestling. There's there's a lot uh, there's a lot too there. There's a lot of the psychology stuff that you can still use today. I'm telling you, I've uh, I, I stood in and did some ring announcing for for Doctor Drew, but I've announced a couple of, of of the matches with Herb Simmons, and I'm telling you what, as 46 year old grown ass man. I lost my mind when you guys did the whole thing with Flash and the lights out and, you know, some of those finishes. I lost my stuff, dude. And you could hear it. Well, <laughs> a lot of that was... I, I remember something, and it wasn't an SICW, but it was out in um, Eldon, Missouri, about a, last year. An angle that we did for another promotion out there with, with Leland Race, who's the, you know, who's the son of Harley Race. Rest in peace. And uh, a situation where I had been managing him. He lost a match, so I fired him because that's what you do. And uh, he took a pretty serious beat down uh, at the hands of Attila Khan and Superstars Defender. You know who they are. Yes, of course. And uh, I, I was driving home that night and just thought to myself, My, man, that worked so well. That went so well. And maybe 150 people saw that. If we would have done what we did tonight on television in front of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people seeing it, imagine the money we could have drawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, yeah. That kind of shook me because I'm like, there, there, there's stuff out there that, that's good. Well, and again, yeah, and this you should see it. And well, and it's this is St. Louis too, bro. That's why I got so much love for you and, and Herb and the whole promotion. Like you guys didn't left that stuff to just wither on the vine with Larry Matisic being involved until his recent passing. Like you guys have kept all. I mean, you guys bring in your Tito Santana's, your J.J. Dillon's, your Terry Funk's. Like you guys have that line still with that old school, and you just can't. Granted, they do those workshops and the little uh, fan fest everywhere, but there's something about St. Louis that. All those old school wrestlers still know and love. Um, again, man, thank you so very much for your time. I'm getting eyeballed for my 12-year-old. She wants me to make some tacos, which we're about to do here. Travis Cook, <laughs> thank you again so very much, Pant Champ. Love you, brother. And uh, Thank you, brother. Until next time. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Pleasure, Travis. Take care, you guys. Peace and so much love. Stay tuned. There will always be more.